This is Terry Howell from the Talk Back Fans Podcast, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show with the incomparable host, Greg Rempe. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Hey, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's Live Fire Fun and Frivolous Show. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter, which you can subscribe to on the main page of the website. Look where it says newsletter. Give me an email address, and that's all you really need to give me, and away you go. Every Tuesday around noon Eastern, you will get dropped a newsletter that tells you what you can expect coming up later that evening on the show. In about 13 minutes from now, it is the third Tuesday of a month, and of course, that means a regular visit from a barbecue icon in the industry. Some would argue the barbecue icon in the industry, Stephen Reichlin from Barbecue Bible. Project Fire Season 4, I believe, is also launched, and that is happening, so plenty to talk about, Stephen. Plenty to talk about with, hmm... When we're talking to Steven tonight, there's going to be a lot to talk about and ground to cover, if we can say it in that way. After Steven, we'll be joined by a friend of the show, somebody who is also providing a lot of content to Weber on their social media, the creator of Another Pint Please, and author of one cookbook at the time, Mike Lang, will be joining us. And amongst checking in on the success of that book... We'll also be talking about something that's very important, especially as we get to this time of year, which is proper grill maintenance, making sure that is in really tip-top shape. Safety first, clean grill, happy grill, all the fun sayings that we love and adore in the live fire industry. Mike will make sure that we are on the right track to making sure the grills are healthy and in proper working order because a lot of us, maybe aren't handy or we don't think about it. We don't care that much. We'll do it the following year, later in the summer, but we never get to it. So let's make sure that we're starting out 2022's grilling season 
if you partake in a season the right way, Mike Lang will help us do it. That'll close the first hour. Second hour, quarterly guest, founder of the Hardcore Carnivore brand, JessPriles.com author, of course, Jess Pryles. Just on location tonight, as she was last quarter. She was in, well, she was on the other side of the globe last quarter. Finally making back to her homeland of Australia. Tonight she's shooting either a TV series or a web series. Maybe it's a TV that will eventually be a web series. Something along these lines. We'll delve a little bit more into that. But she is on location. So she'll be joining us, not through vMix like a normal guest would, but she'll be joining me through the clubhouse, which I'll be talking about here in just a second. So we'll get all caught up with Jess and the TV show. We'll be talking about some fruit usage. We'll be talking about myoglobin versus hemoglobin. A lot of great stuff. And of course, we'll end the segment with the game show that's sweeping the nation. Will Jess answer a hard rock slash heavy metal question correctly ever? Tonight might be the category that stems the tide. She's been on the losing end forever. But this might be the night that things change and a win streak. Remember, you got to have two wins to have a win streak. But this could at least get us over the hump of losing and into a winning category. We'll see how it all unfolds 14 past the second hour. And then closing out the show this evening, I teased it the last couple weeks. National, uh, the barbecue news, excuse me, the barbecue news acquired the NBBQA, the National Barbecue Association. Well known for that annual event, the I Am Barbecue, whatever year it is event. But in this past, a couple weeks ago, they had the big event there in Fort Worth. And during that conference, the handover was uh, videotaped, talked about. So, We'll suss out all the intimate details with the now owner of NBBQA, Cal Phelps, from the Barbecue News, who is the editor of such. And we'll get the insight on the deal, why they decided to take it over, what kind of cash was involved, and more importantly than all of the dealings, what Cal looks to do with the future of NBBQA. I think you talk to a lot of people in private, and they'll tell you it's failing. Uh, the membership's not great at all. It wasn't run very well. The list goes on. So we'll talk to Cal about all that and then how he looks to make it a trade association that perhaps it should have been low these many years. And we'll hear it straight from the horse's mouth, that being Cal Phelps from the Barbecue News and now NBBQA. And that's your show. If you want to jump in, more than happy to have you. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. For live video feeds of the show, you can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also find one over on YouTube slash RD Rempe. Don't forget, as I had mentioned before, because Jess will be joining us this way, we are live on Clubhouse currently. So if you'd rather hear me instead of see me, no problem. Easily done by using the word or using the app Clubhouse. First off tonight, and I don't know where you are in the country right now, and I'm not get off my lawn old guy, although this is going to sound exactly like that, but I have had it with winter. Gang, if you don't follow me on social, 
it was snowing a little bit yesterday, but today it was a whole new level. It was snowing like it was the middle of January or February today. On the way into work, by the way, this is today. This isn't me playing around with nonsense and tomfoolery. This is an actual video of me driving into the office today. This is what it looked like April 19th, 2022, right in front of the school bus. Sorry, podcasters, that you can't see this. But trust me, you see snow. Right in front of that school bus is a plow dumping salt onto the ground. I mean, you see this, right? This is real live snow that is accumulated on the highway. I thought we were past that in April, but nay, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city and Bomb City USA decides to grant us yet another 48 hours of snow, which I certainly appreciate and adore. Also, remember this. If you're looking for a kettle grill this season, there's a special going on right now over at snsgrills.com, the makers of the Slow and Sear, but you have to get one of the kettle grill packages. Because we are entering in the grilling season, you can get an SNS Grills package. 10% off when you use code BBQ Central at checkout. So if you're in the market for a kettle grill and you want the Slow and Sear insert, Go ahead and check it out, snsgrills.com, promo code BBQ Central for 10% off. Now some listener feedback before we get to Stephen Reichlin here this evening. Howard in Ohio writing in, Greg, the sound effects and sound drop segment was refreshing to say the least. Am I the only one that thought the very first drop was Shark Attack? This was great insight to a unique part of the show's history. Thank you for doing it, by the way. I remember Big Chuck and Little John. Love the show. Regards, Howard. (laughs) Howard, that one's for you right there. By the way, you're not the only one that thought it was Shark Attack. I know for a fact that Len Aberman, host of Baseball and Barbecue, thought it was Shark Attack. Also, Doug Scheiding, Texas Embedded Correspondent, thought it was Shark Attack. So you're not the only one. Jason in Iowa writing in. Greg, the background on the sound drops was so great. I finally feel... Like, I am a true fan now that I know everything that is being said. I hate to say that I didn't know, quote, get that weak stuff out of here, but now I do. Regards, Jason. John in Missouri writing in, Greg, did a professional journalist, that Chuck guy, say, doo-doo, not once but twice on your show Tuesday night. I'm not an English major but I'm pretty sure there are better words to pick from. Thanks for a great show, and I do do listen on podcast only. (laughs) Well played, John. Well played. And I'm glad you all liked the insight on the sound effects and sound drops. Stephen Reichlin will be coming up here shortly. I'll talk to you quickly in the meantime about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From award-winning rubs and sauces to American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa Smokers has something for everybody to become a better outdoor cook. You all know the rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. Also, owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, 
Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us of why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And they're selling cookers. Of course, we know this. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. Big Papa's the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're not sure of what grill you need, call them. Ask questions. They'll help you out. Make sure you get fitted with the right one, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. All right. Well, I don't see him in my box, much like I didn't see Meathead last week in my box. I will hold my fingers crossed and say that we will have Stephen Reichlin as we come back here from the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers, with built-in power draft fans and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier, visit bbqguru.com for more information or call them and ask questions. 800-288-GURU, the Barbecue Guru, continuing to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Central Lights, it's the third Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time to do a segment with an icon in the industry, a host of TV shows, a creator and host, of the very popular Project Fire on PBS, which you can now see, and author of the most popular barbecue and grilling books in the history of barbecue and grilling books. We race over the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Stephen Reichland. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how you doing? I am fabulous and appreciate you joining me as you do each and every month here so we can talk some live fire. I see, Stephen, that you had to or had the visit with Guga Foods, who is sous vide everything on YouTube, and you went to the HQ, and you had referenced last month that you were at some kind of, quote-unquote, influencer's dinner before our segment. So I have to ask if he happened to be one of those people last month that you were hanging out with. He was one of those people, and that's how I met him, and that's how my appearance on Guga Food happened. How does the invite to this social media get-together happen, or are you the one casting the net to see who you can round up? Uh, no, it was actually a simple uh, text from Guga. Everything is text with Guga. And 
we may have swapped an email or two, but you know, I was, uh, I'm so impressed with Guga. I mean, first of all, he's a really smart guy, really knowledgeable guy, a super performer. And it was so interesting for me to compare, um, you know, when I do a TV show, it's sort of big old school TV with a, a crew of 20 people and, uh, it's, it's a monumental production and, uh, Guga studio, it's like super high tech. I mean, he turns the lights on by voice command with uh, with Alexa or with Siri. Uh, very small crew, um, super high-tech cameras, but, uh, you know, an amazing experience. It, 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 it's, to me, it seems that what he has based his popularity on is something that is the antithesis of what a Stephen Reichland would believe, which is sous vide everything. You're like sous vide nothing. Yeah, I'm not a sous vide guy. Uh, well, I think his first, you know, that was his first venture into the world of YouTube stardom was uh, Guga sous vide. Uh, and now he has, it's either uh, Guga Cooks or uh, uh, yeah, Guga Food. I think it's uh, Guga Cooks. Uh, and he does, you know, that that is a straight on for, uh, full bore uh, grilling show. And that's the one I participated in. In fact, we did a dish that, you know, people kind of uh, know me for uh, on Project Smoke and Project Fire. It's a traditional dish from the Australian Outback, uh, grilling on a shovel. And although it's a traditional method, it seemed to have, uh, you know, social the social media, uh, outrageous eye pop, jaw drop kind of uh, uh, appeal. Uh, so that was the dish that I, uh, I did uh, with Guga. When I was watching the Instagram story that you had posted behind the scenes, you were going through his meat freezer. As somebody who has seen all kinds of meat in all kinds of quantities, for his setup, was that one of the most impressive personal collections of meat that you've seen? Yeah, it was really amazing. And, um, you know, he's th th virtually every cut from every steer, uh, you know, from uh, from uh, stalwart Angus all the way up to A5 Wagyu from Japan. Um, you know, come the post-nuclear holocaust, he's going to eat very well. I just hope there's uh, power to keep that, that freezer going for as long as it takes him to uh, finish everything. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, the website. So I keep tabs on my guests, try to see what they're up to. And I know we've talked about your desire to get more involved with social channels in general, but I have to say, I don't know anyone else that appears regularly on the show, no offense, at your age, who has really <laughs> taken to talking the talk of doing it, but you're walking the walk of expanding that social content generation. So in a question, is it paying off the way you'd hope? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, we have to keep growing as we move through life. And when I think about my own personal evolution, first of all, I see myself as a writer. That's what's on my passport. And when I started uh, writing about food, it was longhand on uh, yellow legal pads. And then I remember when I bought my first uh, uh, IBM Select uh, Selectric typewriter, and that was like, I felt like, man, now I'm a real writer. And I remember when I got my first word processor, an old K-Pro, if anybody is old enough to remember those, my first uh, daisy wheel printer, um, uh, my first TV show. I mean, it was funny. I remember, you know, I would review my uh, rough cuts on those uh, video cassettes and then 
type out all my responses. Uh, now it's all done on Vimeo. You know, I can edit in real time. So we keep evolving. We keep moving. And to me, social media is, you know, I came of age in the book world, but uh, kids in their, you know, teens, 20s and 30s who are getting into barbecue, they're doing it via social media and YouTube. Do you ever? So I'm glad they let I'm glad they let me uh, let me in the club. Do you ever, for fun, pull out the old school typewriter and bang out a couple pages just to say you did it, or are you somebody that says, "Hey, technology's here, let's embrace it and not look back." Well, I don't pull out a typewriter. I do most of my writing and thinking on a uh, on a MacBook Pro. But um, if I, you know, if I have a particularly thorny piece of uh, writing, if I'm working on a piece of fiction or something like that, uh, you know, pencil and a, and a pad of paper. That's that's kind of how I like to form ideas. All right, Stephen Reichland, budding social media star, as he has talked about here on the show, and it's fun to watch your growth. And I'm somebody that's tried to practice it a little bit more as well, uh, especially on TikTok, which I'm seeing quite a bit more uh, gain in uh, viewership and I'm not sure exactly what the currency is there but it does seem to be something that I can do fairly easily cutting up pieces of the show and then putting them up there people seem to like it so I'll continue on with that why not Project Fire this is season 4 right yeah wow, yeah we- season 4 just launched over the weekend uh super exciting you know um these TV shows I mean I started conceptualizing it roughly a year ago, working on the scripts and the content all summer. We convened in St. Louis, our first urban setting, by the way, for the show at the uh, old Union Station Railroad Station. Uh, started taping at the uh, 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 in October. And now, a year later, the first show has aired over the weekend, and it's just super exciting. I believe I took in that very first episode, which was uh, you hanging out with the guy from Pappy's doing pork steaks. There was also St. Louis ribs that were going on. There was the That's right. uh, toasted ravioli on the grill, of course. Yeah, how yeah. cool was that, huh? Yeah, that was... Uh, uh, you know, what I find fascinating about that is you're setting it up. Like, hey, this is like the iconic dish. And then... It's almost fun to hear you pull back the curtain a little bit and question yourself. And is this something that's really going to work as it's happening? And then it seemed like once that first flip of those toasted raviolis came over, you saw that they were crisping up and the outside was staying on, that there was confirmation in your head that at least the concept uh, not only was a good one, but it was actually proving out right there on live fire. Uh, So that was uh, really interesting to watch. But as you watch it back and you see your time with... Uh, the guy from Pappy's, and uh, I forget the other uh, chef gentleman that you had on John for the ribs. And David Sandusky. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts seeing it back as a viewer on television? Huh. Well, you know, usually I'm hypercritical, and uh, when I watch these things, I see them in rough cut, and uh, I only see the mistakes and the things I uh, wish I had said or wish I hadn't said instead of what I did. But then when I see the final one, I think, you know, hey. Not bad. I mean, after 20 years of TV, it's I might get the hang of this. Also, from a, I don't know if I've seen a lot of these shows with you in it where you have somebody else to play off of. I mean, adding somebody else to the mix can be a little unnerving. Uh, through the history of my show, I have no co-host. <laughs> the most uncomfortable I've ever been in the show was when I was down at MBBQA in 2018, and I did three days of live shows and I couldn't realize 
what this feeling I had was as I got going the first day and then halfway through the first day, I realized I'm sitting across from somebody doing an interview. That doesn't happen on the show. Usually it's connecting like this or we do it on the phone. So there's always some type of separation, even though we're having a live conversation. So I thought your ability to mix in and play off of somebody else, ask good questions, seemed like you were trying to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Uh, was uh, quite a, a, a benefit and uh, quite a skill that you seem to have mastered right off the top. Well, thank you. Uh, that was very enjoyable. Yeah, we did a lot of new things this year, and one of them was having guests. I think we wound up having 13 or 14 different guests on the show. Uh, another was uh, with taping in this urban setting, which was, you know, I had my doubts because usually you can hear a pin drop and we're in the middle of nature. And, you know, this, it was so noisy and so many people running, by, running back and forth. But I enjoyed it. The guests enjoyed it. And um, it's nice to have guests, you know, because they bring new ideas and new skills to uh, to the show and you know I think most people at this point know kind of what my style of grilling is about and it's fun for us to learn together with new new people on the show and in weeks coming up of course you'll see quarterly guest on this show Susie Bullock uh, will stop by and uh, Scott from Grilling Fools is also going to be on there with a host of others so it's going to be fun yep both both of those are on the uh, show. We did a whole show on, um, it's called, I don't remember what the final title is. It's either Grilling Under the Influence or Influential Grilling or something like that. But we had three of my favorite uh, social media influencers on the show. And that was, uh, that was really fun too. It felt like, you know, bridging two generations. So as I'm watching the show and you're getting through the uh, portion through the St. Louis ribs, I'm pretty keen on ribs and how to do them. Always nice to see a little change of pace here and there but in your brussels sprouts you busted out something i'm completely unaware of now through our relationship steven i think i have bared my soul to you on perhaps how uh un uh knowledgeable my palate might be on certain items and here's something that i realized i didn't even know existed i've never had in my life how the hell would i even use them preserved lemons Tell me all about mm. these things. Well, uh, if you take a cucumber and you add salt and you pickle it, you wind up with pickles. If you take a lemon and add salt and pickle it, you wind up with preserved lemons. It's one of the mainstays of Moroccan cooking. Um, super fantastic because it's got the uh, salty tanginess of a really sharp pickle and then the kind of sour lemon flavor of lemon juice plus the sweetness because don't forget lemon is a uh, it's a fruit. Uh, I, I, I dare say it's one of my top five favorite ingredients. Um, and, uh, it's, oh. you know, it's, it's like adding a bright trumpet, you know, or a ray of sunshine to any dish that you cook with. So these are something you have on hand all the time and you, can you just get them anywhere? Uh, I make my own, the recipes in Barbecue Bible, and also in Barbecue Bible sauces, rubs, and marinades. But yeah, at this point, any gourmet, you can buy them at any gourmet shop. You know, if there's a Moroccan uh, or North African store nearby, you can buy them in bulk, uh, which is great. But you know what? It's super simple. Cut lemons in half or quarters, take the seeds out, pack them in a uh, jar with salt, um, fill the jar with uh, freshly squeezed lemon juice, and just let them sit for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. There you have preserved lemons. All right, preserved lemons. So give it a try. You know I'm going to go we're out gonna, and find some. Yeah, find some. Uh, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna put the um, recipe up on the website too. All right. Uh, now within the show, uh, not to pull the curtain back a little bit, you have 
a fire wrangler. In fact, you know, back in the old days, uh, there was a, like the original fire wrangler that I used to actually know through my old barbecue forum and that he was a fire wrangler of yours um, for many years, Rob Boz. And then sure. uh, um, he had fortunately passed away. And then you have a new guy now uh, who's been on with you for a handful of seasons, Steve Nestor. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Steve. And then before you talk about Steve, what does the fire wrangler do? And how does one guy get or gal get this kind of a job? So uh, the fire wrangler is in charge of assembling all the grills, keeping them in good running operation, firing them up, fueling them, figuring out the instruction manual when they're electronics to uh, master. It's a really important job. And, you know, because with a crew of 20, uh, time every minute passed is so expensive. Uh, when you swap out the set from one recipe to another, that grill, the new grill has to be there, ready, fired up and ready to roll. I mean, you can't take 30 minutes to wait for it to light. So it's a super important position. Steve Nestor, who by day is a physical therapist, and if you live in the Boston area, by the way, and have a bad back or anything, he's the guy you want to talk to. He came to Barbecue University uh, as a student one year. And he was the kind of guy that, you know, I always make that joke, you know, we're, we finish at one o'clock and, you know, everybody goes to play golf or hike. And I said, well, you know, we got a brisket and it is babysitting for eight hours. Steve was the one that said, I'll babysit it. Uh, he's just super into barbecuing and grilling. So uh, after uh, the, two years at Barbecue University, I asked him, you know, if he wanted to be the uh, fire wrangler on the show. And he said, it sounds cool. And uh, he came on. He did a spectacular job. He's been with us for three or four years in that position. <laughs> uh, he also is the fire wrangler at Barbecue University coming up at the, broad, at the uh, Montage Palmetto Bluff Resort in uh, Carol South Carolina Lowcountry. So if you come to the school, you have a chance to meet uh, Steve and cook with him. But even if you don't, Steve is now writing a lot of the blogs on the barbecuebible.com website. He just did a fantastic uh, blog on... And, uh, the trumbo, you know, that vertical rotisserie that Mexican use, Mexicans use to make tacos al pastor. Uh, he's got a blog that went up today on grilling spring vegetables. Uh, so he's a multi-talented guy uh, and um, terrific griller. And, you know, he just he has his thumb kind of on the pulse of what people want to know and what they want to grill. That's a guy you want on your team, I would imagine. You bet. You bet. <laughs> Yeah, we have another fire wrangler, by the way, that I'd love to introduce. His name is J Jared Ryder, and uh, he helps me with a lot of the uh, social media. Steve could not make the shoot this year, so Jared came instead. And a lot of the great footage you see from the show uh, on social media, Jared took that. Uh, Steve does his. Uh, Steve has become an awesome uh, photographer and videographer as well. So, man, you watch some of his blogs and you will just see amazing videos of how this all comes together. So we're looking forward to taking in more and more episodes of Project Fire as a rolling out week after week, no doubt about it. Last question before I let you go, Stephen, and I appreciate the time. This might diverge a little bit. I have found a new, I'm not going to call it passion yet, but a uh, definitely more than a dabble in premium cigars. I'm trying mm. to expand my palate. I'm trying to find all these nuances and all this other stuff. So uh, I guess the first question would be, are you somebody that would partake in a premium cigar from time to time? Are you a fan? I am a uh, definitely a fan of a premium cigar from time to time. 
in fact, one of my fondest memories in life, I had dinner with uh, Peter Workman, who was the oh. founder of uh, Workman Publishing, yep. publisher of all my barbecue books. And at the end of dinner, he said, come on back to my, uh, to my apartment. Let's, uh, let's smoke some cigars. And Peter had amazing Havana cigars. On the way, we stopped at a Barnes & Noble bookstore, and I got to see a bookstore through the eyes of one of the most uh, innovative publishers in the history of American publishing, which was really amazing. And uh, hint, when you want your book displayed, you want it at uh, eye level so that people don't have to bend over. It seems self-evident, but I never thought about it. Uh, and then we repaired to uh, repaired back to his place. Put it, put on some great jazz on an old fashioned turntable. I don't remember what we smoked, but they're beautiful Havana cigars. And you know, got back to the, my uh, hotel room very late at night. Uh, at night, my wife said, "You stink," and I uh, <laughs> I knew that was a successful evening. No doubt about it. And appreciate you sharing <laughs> that uh, story with us. Um. You are a guy that is in Miami during the winter months, and it appears here in mid-April it is still the winter months in Cleveland as we're taking inches of snow here today. However, I know at some point you go back up to Martha's Vineyard. When does the move back north happen? The move back north this year will be a little bit late. It'll be in June. Actually, in two weeks, I'm headed off to uh, Europe. Uh, I'm going to be hooking up with the third ship in that Windstar Star Grill by Stephen Reichlin restaurant project. Third ship finally coming out of uh, dry dock. So I'm meeting up with the ship. We'll fine tune the food on the restaurant. By the way, I guess I can go a little sneak preview. Uh, We are launching a sweepstakes on barbecuebible.com next week. And the grand prize of that sweepstakes is a week Caribbean cruise on uh, Windstar. So you can experience the food and who knows, maybe even meet me. All right. Well, that would be a huge win on all accounts. So check out barbecuebible.com, of course. And the third Tuesday of every month, you can find Stephen Reichlin right here talking about all the important live fire topics. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming up. Hey, thanks, everybody. Grill on. There he is, Stephen Reichlin, right there. So watch barbecuebible.com and see if you can't win your way onto the ship. Have some great food, and as Stephen said, you might get a chance to hang out with him as well. All right. Mike Lang is in the green room. And before we get to him, I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. A couple different lines to choose from if you so desire. If you want to save some bucks, if you don't need all the latest and greatest technology and lights, Choice Line, that's the one for you. It's a Davy Crockett size, good for most medium-sized to smaller families. Uh, Get two if you have a really big family or you like throwing big parties all the time. Now, if you want some more of the dynamic features and benefits, Prime Line is going to be the one you want to take a look at. This one has peak and ledge sizes, peak being the biggest, ledge uh, being the middle size, which would be comparable to that Davy Crockett, um, to the uh, Daniel Boone on the choice side, but here you get Wi-Fi, you get app connectivity, you're able to do a whole bunch of stuff right there on the app without having to go outside on the cooker. Uh, Regardless of what line you get, both will accommodate that pizza oven insert, so make sure you go to the dealer nearest you. Find that by going to greenmountaingrills.com. Visit the dealer, get educated, buy the one that's best for you. 
Get educated, and away you go. You will be very happy that you went through the dealer experience. You can also visit the website and get pellets and sauces and rubs and other accoutrements to really complete that Green Mountain Grill cooking experience. That's GreenMountainGrill.com. GreenMountainGrill.com. We're back with another pint, please. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also go to Amazon.com to purchase as well, but I would suggest going to CookinPellets.com. Also, while you're there, check out all the cool things that they have aside from the pellets. My next guest, one of the most respected live fire cookers out there today. He loves cooking on his fleet of Webers. Let's head to the hotline and welcome back the creator of Another Pint Please website, friend of this show, Mike Lang, joining me. Hey, Mike. Hey, Greg. How are you? Are you down with preserved lemons? You know, I have never done that, so perhaps. Are you... Have you never done it because you were never familiar with it until tonight like I was yesterday? Uh, I'm familiar with it, but it's one of those things that I've got a long list of to-dos, and that's not made it on there yet, so Mm. perhaps in the near future. Fair enough. Uh, Are you a big (laughs) uh, family Easter celebration guy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. All right, so what's on the Lang Easter family menu? Well, it's you know, I'm very lucky. Every Sunday since the beginning of COVID, my family has celebrated what we call Trisket time, hashtag Trisket time. Yes. So Sunday dinner with my folks who are still in town. My siblings are across the country. We get together. We have dinner. My dad still grills at the ripe old age of 83. So with Easter uh, for him, it was uh, lamb chops uh, this year, oh. which was a uh, one of my favorites, that or a rack of lamb. Those are by far the two high points. Um, have you always been a fan of lamb? Is that something you grew up with? You know, I have actually. I was pretty lucky. You know, we grew up outside of uh, D.C. and Northern Virginia. So at a very young age, I was um, introduced to a lot of food that, that perhaps I might not normally have been introduced to. My folks loved to eat and cook. The cooking came along later in life, but certainly the eating was there. So a lot of experiences I had at a young age sort of shaped where I am today, culinarily speaking, and lamb was uh, definitely one of those odd early foods I would have in high school that I glommed onto. Yeah, a couple years ago was the first time I had rack of lamb, and I was actually at uh, Noah and Amber Glanville's house when they lived just outside of Louisville, owners of Pit Barrel Cooker, before they moved out west. And I had only heard of lamb in talking lore and historics and anecdotes because my dad had talked about how he had liked lamb Maybe as a kid, it would never made an appearance in my house. I don't know if my mom had disdain for it, and that was just one of the things that was just never going to happen. But I don't ever recall seeing it as I grew up, so it was just never on my radar. And then for a travel volleyball tournament when we were out Mm -hmm. in Kentucky, Noah said we could stay with them. And uh, for dinner that first night there, he said, hey, we're going to have rack of lamb, and it's going to change your life forever. And he cut a chop off, threw it in my mouth, and he was absolutely right. I was completely taken aback at medium rare. It was perhaps one of mm. the best bites I've had in 
recent memory and easily a quick converted fan of Lamb. And now I'm talking about it, proselytizing it everywhere I can uh, talk about. What do, aside from the um, from the chops, uh, you are a uh, a rack of lamb fan as well. Do you have a best way to yeah. prepare it? Yeah, rack of lamb's easy. Obviously, it's less to move around in the grill and still a perfect medium rare. It's, I mean, it's it, like you just discovered. It's a, it's sensational, and you know, even at most grocery stores these days, you can go there and find a pre-Frenched, pre-packaged rack of lamb. Now, granted, costs are kind of crazy these days, but reasonably priced. Take it home, and within probably 20 minutes, you've got a crazy dinner you might not have thought of otherwise. And it's, I, I can't recommend it enough. You are the author of One Beer Grilling. How's it doing? It's doing well. I'm humbled and honored uh, that so many people have enjoyed it, have reached out to me, you know, <laughs> favorably reviewed it on Amazon. Thank you. Um, it's, yeah, it's been a crazy year. You never know what to expect, let alone take on a challenge like that. You know, it's funny having Steven on before me, you know, 25 years ago, I still remember thumbing through the barbecue Bible yeah. and granted there are no photos in it. And today we're also visual and I'm visual, but even back then he put together this, this tomb of live fire cooking, which captivated me <laughs> and made me hungry every single time. So to fast forward all these years to have a book of my own, that's, you know, done well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I could not be happier. Do you comb through the reviews or is that asking for potential punishment that you don't otherwise need? <laughs> it's double-edged sword. Uh, you try to keep an eye on it. You read with one eye open. Uh, but thankfully, uh, with uh, 25 years plus of public service, I've got yeah. pretty thick skin. Um, and it's But you got to see the good and the bad in the world. Otherwise, you really can't appreciate what you got. Do you have another one in the in the works right now? Do you have two beer grilling coming up soon? Yeah, it's not yet. It's in the ether. I think about things like that as, you know, always looking forward. I'm, I'm sure I will one day, but nothing that's actually uh, burning right now through my schedule. Do you have a book just that you're uh, accumulating in case something comes up and you, you have it at the ready, like a manuscript? Uh, not a manuscript, but I'm constantly taking notes or taking mm. pictures. And I love being influenced by what others are doing, whether I'm eating out or with friends. So, I, you know, I use Evernote, which is a wonderful online app for any platform I'm on to grab a picture or a thought or idea. And I just have a you know notebook called Future Ideas and I pluck things away. And one day I hope to kind of dive into it. A lot of fans of Mike Lang know your work from creating content for Weber. A lot of us are Weber fans, if not devotees. So how does... Huh the relationship with Weber continue on here in 2022. Oh, fantastic. I could not be more honored to uh, be what I always kind of call the clutch guy for Weber. Um, you know, it's been a relationship now for over a, a decade. You know, I even look back through COVID uh, when the company was on lockdown and couldn't travel. Uh, you know, Mike can uh, went to New York City twice for photo shoots and had to relay things, you know, through either FaceTime or through the production company and be kind of the Weber hands on person to mm -hmm. make things happen for them through this you know, crazy difficult time for all of us. So that's just really it's a special place in my heart. And of course, as anyone knows, it watches me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I'm constantly creating content here in the backyard which is, you know, Weber shows across all their social channels and platforms across the globe. Uh, and it's a true, amazing honor. Ten years ago, how does that relationship even start? Were you just somebody that was a fan of Weber and was sending in your work going, hey, I'm a big fan, check me out? Do they reach out to you seeing that you are, A, creating good content, you have a artistic eye? I mean, everybody knows you take incredible photos if they're following you on Instagram. It's 
there always seems to be this great food shot, but then there always seems to be a photography or a videography type lesson in it with an f-stop or this kind of a lighting or something, some type of knowledge that you're passing on. So how does that relationship go? Yeah, it's funny. Only once did I ever reach out through customer service, no less. This has been a long time ago about uh, my blog, which predates our relationship. But uh, they actually, they're uh, an ad agency at the time, found me and had purchased a photo. And that really started what I call a slow burn relationship that is built up over time and trust and hard work. And uh, it's 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 taken a long time, but I mean, I could not be more happy with what I'm doing and where we are today. It's it's really there. It's an amazing company with so many crazy talented people. It's it's wonderful to be a part of it. Mike Lang joining me here on the show. Another pint, please. dot com is website and of course author of One Beer Grilling. So I have you on here tonight, Mike, to talk about what perhaps some of us would consider to be the abundantly obvious task of proper grill maintenance getting your grill ready. If you are somebody that operates within a grilling season, we don't, of course, because we are men above men. However, not everybody does that. So grilling season, um, not necessarily here in Cleveland, is here. I mean, I want to say it just because of the calendar, but the snow says otherwise outside. And as Stephen Reichland says, a clean grill is a healthy grill. So let's talk about some maintenance practices for various types of grills. And let's start off with a grill that seems to be getting an increasing amount of hate amongst the live fire community for some reason, which is the gas grill. Still wildly the most popular grill that anybody has. Uh, most yeah. people have them, If especially if you have multiple cookers, you probably have the gas grill. So let's talk about proper gas grill maintenance, things you want to do as you ramp up here for the grilling season. I mean, let's not deny it all winter long. If you're like in the Midwest, like we are, you're probably not going to be ripping it apart and cleaning it. But now that spring is here, the weather's getting better. Take advantage of a good day. Clean those burners, clean out the cook box, clean out the drip tray, go inside and make sure all that the, uh, the filters for the burner tubes are clear of debris. It's not a lot of work, but once you do it, you're going to push yourself through the next season and then come again, come in the fall, hit it again. But the gas grill needs some TLC. It might not seem it. And you know what? It's a great clutch player. There are nights that I come home, I want to fire up charcoal, but I also want the convenience of gas. And I go out and light up a gas grill and I get just as good a meal on that as I do on a kettle. It's just a different way of coming about it. Mike, should you do it more than once a season? Like midsummer, late summer, should you do it again? Or is that dependent on how much you're really cooking on it? It's how much you cook on it. You know, even for me, I'm probably doing it really deep clean only twice a year. Mm. But that does not mean that in between cooks, I'm not cleaning off grates or I'm not cleaning off the flavorizer bars. Or, of course, getting the drip tray emptied out, which, you know, especially as you see things like flat tops and other devices coming to a gas grill, you're probably going to introduce a lot more fat and a lot more debris that needs to be cleaned more regularly. So you got to keep on it so you don't have a problem or a fire or any kind of other catastrophe when all you want to do is have a great dinner. Kettle grill seems a little less complicated, but what are the best maintenance practices for a kettle cooker? Scrub it out, clean it out. If you're a real diehard kettle head, your kettle will probably look brand new almost 11 months out of the year. Uh, in that case, you can go all the way down to a double O, um, uh, good Lord, <laughs> whatever, steel wool, duh. Ah. Um, to, to go down to the porcelain and, and keep it clean and keep all the debris off there. Knock, knock off all of the, the carbon and the soot that will form inside the lid through prolonged cooks. Uh, that way you keep it looking clean. And when you put food down, you don't have debris dropping on it. 
Uh, it's not a lot to clean, but of course, also don't forget your ash and scrape that out and clean it down. But it's it's probably the easiest one to keep on moving and to keep producing all season long. Now, this cooker, a pellet cooker, isn't something that you should be cleaning seasonally. There should be a regular maintenance and cleaning schedule with this type of cooker. So what are your best tips and advice for somebody that's coming into a pellet cooker this season? Uh, pellet cooker is a whole different beast. Yeah. And I know when I first started using the smoke fire, uh, it was new to me. I kind of equate it to uh, driving a barge versus driving a speedboat. Uh, every handful of cooks expect to get in there and clean out all the ash and debris that's left over from the pellets through the process of combustion. I'm about to the set of buying a portable wet dry vac just to make it easier to clean out everything and to keep it at tip top shape. You're going to need to do that to avoid any sort of flare ups or fires. So it's definitely going to need a lot more TLC, but also the convenience factor with that TLC is off the charts because a lot of nights when I come home, open up my app, fire it up. And then dinner is just a short term away. Are there any other cookers that we're forgetting that deserve some kind of maintenance? Of course, as you had kind of referenced a couple minutes ago, flat tops seem to be all the rage, the Blackstones, you know, all the way up the Evos and so forth. Do they require any different kind of maintenance? Well, I mean, if you're using a flat top, that's going to require maintenance every cook. If you want to keep mm. it looking good uh, and functioning well and being clean and having a you know a drawn out clean up process before your actual cook of that day, you've got to stay up with it. And don't forget about your water smokers as well, like the uh, Weber Smoky Mountain Cooker. Those require cleanup you know right away because if you're going to smoke on it for a weekend and not touch it for a few weeks, you run the danger of building up any kind of mold inside of it. So you want to keep it clean, keep it fresh, and make sure you give it a good scrub down and wash down after using it because then that grill will probably last you for decades to come one of my secret tips on the weber smoky mountain because that was my first cooker ever sometimes i would close all of the dampers bottom dampers uh, top exhaust throw the cover on it maybe i didn't get back to it for a month or whatever and as you said all of a sudden you go take that top off you undo everything and you're wondering Oh, did it snow inside the Weber Smoky Mountain? Well, that's not <laughs> snow. That's mold, white fuzz, and it's gross, and you got to build the fire in, burn everything out. What I realized is you just leave one of those bottom dampers open, leave the top uh, exhaust vent open. Now you have at least some kind of airflow moving mm. through it to at least hinder uh, a bit the, that growth of mold. But we all have uh, Weber Smoky Mountains that have them, know the fuzzy stuff that grows in. So we certainly appreciate the uh, maintenance tips here and uh, how to keep those cookers safe as we get through the grilling season. Anything new recipe-wise, Mike, that you are working on that you can leave us with? Yeah. No, actually, I'm excited. The last year, I've been doing work for simplyrecipes.com, and Simply Recipes falls underneath the huge Meredith uh, digital umbrella, which includes food and wine and serious eats and liquor.com, as well as all other other broadcast um, avenues. And for them, it's been nice to be the grilling voice where I wrote and uh, photographed a bunch of different grilling guides for them. And then also this spring, working on some other grilling avenues in terms of recipes uh, that'll be coming up this uh, May and June. So it's been a nice to have, you know, I use the recipe a lot. If you're Even if you're a griller, you can convert anything from a conventional stovetop and oven to the grill or a smoker. So I always encourage looking outside of our own little realm for ideas and inspiration. And now, although they've got also grilling tips and everything I've been able to provide, it's also a great avenue for fresh ideas. And it's great content. They thoroughly source it and thoroughly test it. And it's a great honor to be a part of them as well. 
I asked Stephen on the way out of his segment if he was a fan of premium cigars, so I'll ask you as we close out here in the first hour. Are you a partaker and enjoyer of premium cigars? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yeah? Do you have a brand of Prevaron? Oh, the Oliva. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, the fellow Oliva yes. fan. Yes, very good. Yes. Do you like a particular uh, model of Oliva? Yeah, the Milani 5. Oh, yes. Uh, it's, uh, if I'm pronouncing it right, I always get these things wrong. Um, yes, it's just, um, it's a wonderful cigar to sit out back when the sun's going down and spend an hour or so just drawing on it. Uh, it's, I've always loved dabbling in cigars. I've never had the deepest dive in the world, but when I find something I truly enjoy to savor and kind of relish in a long day, um, the Olivas have been just it's easily my top brand. The things that I've come to find out about cigars are this. Cigar people are as passionate as barbecue people about their cigars. They have the same type of back and forth arguments and debates that they uh, have with cigars that we have with barbecue, if you could put them on the same kind of a level. And then there are it, the cigar forces you to take time. Maybe that's what I like about it the most. You, you have to make time. You're not, this isn't a cigarette. You can't go out and burn it five to seven minutes and then go back to whatever you're going to do. Depending on the size <laughs> of the cigar, you need to allot 45 minutes or an hour in 45 minutes or two hours. And there's puff rate and all these other magical things that I continue to find most interesting. What do you find most enjoyable about the cigar experience? I think that I have to take a pause in life. You know, I'm constantly 24 seven. As I always say on the hamster wheel, but I know when I'm going to light up a cigar and take a draw on it, I'm going to dedicate myself to being then and there in the moment and enjoy it. And it's the kind of break I need. The doctors may not appreciate it, but you know what? I do. Yes. And in the end, the doctors don't appreciate much anyway, aside from <laughs> charging you the fees. And aren't you going to be happier that you've had some Melanios in your life when it's all said and done anyway, forcing you to take that time? Of course. Mm, yes. Here's Mike Lang. He is the creator of Another Pint, Please, and the author of One Beer Grilling, our friend here on the show. Mike, always appreciate the time. Greg, thanks so much. Always so good to see you. You got it. You too. There he is. Mike Lang right there. And he's a fan of the Milanio, which I am a huge... In fact, in my humidor, off to my left, I have a Milanio shelf. I have the Siri, or uh, the Oliva shelf, I guess I should say. But I have a number of Siri V Milanios in Robusto, also the Toro size, also the Gordo size. That's about as big of a ring gauge as I like. But then also the Nubs and various uh, Siri O, Siri V regular. Love Milani or uh, Love Oliva brand cigars all the way. So we agree on that. All right, before we wrap the first hour, let me talk to you quickly about David McDowell and David Leans, the website first. DavidLeans.com. Leans like not fat, leans. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. Here we are, middle of April. You've been arguing with yourself, making deals with yourself about how you're going to be in better shape, take care of the heart, be around for your family, all this nonsense. But you're not really doing it. You've committed here in the brain, but you're not putting rubber to the road. You need some help. You need somebody to hold you accountable. That's where it works. 
That's why you need David. Now, he's not going to charge you $500 a month like some of these other Jamokes for a canned diet plan and one to two check-ins a month. Partnering with David gets you access to a resource who's available effectively 24-7. So now for 200 bucks a month, you can send him messages around the clock. You can video chat with him for a little support or talk about diets or diets. Talk about meal plans for the week. Maybe you're at a restaurant, you're vacillating on what you should choose, best option-wise, take a picture of the menu, send it to David. He'll give you the best options to choose. He's there for you. He's going to hold you accountable. Don't wait. Get your health on track in 2022. I'm doing it. You should too. David's personal guarantee to you. If you're honest and you make the effort, you will succeed in losing the fat, and if you don't, will refund you 100% of the investment. It's just that easy. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. That's DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. Do it now, and we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Pro, Fireboard 2 Drive Monitor. Up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth if you have smart speakers. Fireboard fully integrated with both the Alexa and the Google Assistant. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Fireboard 2 and the Fireboard Spark. Don't forget about that one. We thank Mike Lang for joining me last segment, talking a little bit about maintenance of the grills. Wally Inskeep, Greg, it would be easier for you to smoke weed and all of your belongings wouldn't reek like cigar smoke. Wally, I appreciate the suggestion. However, if weed tastes like it smells, I don't want any part of that. If it tastes at all, cigar smoke is way more aromatic and less ass-smelling than weed. Weed is bad. Uh, Smelling. The aromatics are not great. So, it's not my cup of tea. I'll stick with the cigar, take the time, enjoy the flavors. I don't think you're going to hold weed in your mouth and pull out bits of barnyard and fresh hay and citrus. I don't know that for sure. Maybe weed connoisseurs do that. Wally, do you do that? I like the cigar. I like the ritual. Lighting it. Cold draws. Again, figuring out what flavors. I'm trying to work on getting that guy from Cigar Bliss. I talked about that book last week when Meathead was sleeping. Getting him on the show. So we can learn about how we can expand and calibrate our palates. So we'll work on that. He'll be a guest here at some point before the year's out. Also, we want to thank Stephen Reichlin, who was our first guest in the first hour. 
as well, aside from Mike. So we're going to point to the second hour, refresh your libations. I will do the same, and we will have a ball in the second hour as well. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show.